1: Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast, my name is Stephen Ralston. we are recording on quite a beautiful day in Manchester today and I'm joined by my colleagues Samuel Lockhurst and Tyrone Marshall. Samuel, how are you? Very well, thank you, Stephen, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you very much, great to hear in high spirits today and Tyrone, how's yourself?
0: Yeah, very good Stephen, energised by a bit of sunshine and an entertaining game at Old Trafford at last.
1: Of course, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Both of those things. Um, Samuel, we'll get straight into it. Obviously, both of you were at the game at Old Trafford on Saturday. Fantastic results. A bit of Ronaldo brilliance. He delivered again. Um, what were your conclusions from the game to start with? But I also wanted to ask you about Raniuk's comments because I thought they were quite interesting after the game on Ronaldo.
2: Well, it, it, they were interesting. That uh, He didn't sound particularly grateful for, for what he'd just for what he'd just done, which, uh, I mean, it was his best performance of, of the season since he returned to United. It felt like one of his best performances in, in years, really. It, it really was the complete centre-forward performance in that, I think, as, we, as, as we've seen with Ronaldo recently, if he doesn't score early on or if he has a chance and it doesn't go in, as we saw against Watford and Middlesbrough, um, he, he can start snatching at chances. He can get literally uh, ahead, of, ahead of himself, really, in, in the case of some of the offside goals that he's he scored recently. But even that went his way on uh, Saturday against Tottenham. I mean, it was, it was poor from, from the Spurs defence, but United sprung, sprung that chance very well. Um, but the fact that Ronaldo, I mean, the, the first goal obviously is great. The third goal, I don't think he'd scored ahead of United this season. It was difficult to recall him scoring a headed goal that memorable since he returned. It was almost a complete hat-trick in a way. Um, and, and Rangnick really did temper his enthusiasm, which wasn't a massive surprise because as, as I've written and others have written that there are some reservations on, on Ragnick's part about Ronaldo's role at United and especially beyond this season it's it's pretty obvious that they're going to get a forward in the summer whether it's a striker whether it's an attack-minded player who can play across the, across the line we, we don't know yet a lot will depend on whether United qualify for the Champions League or not but I mean, you go back to one of Solskjaer's last games and he compared Ronaldo to Michael Jordan and I suppose Solskjaer was a little bit enthralled to Ronaldo because Ronaldo did ensure there was a stay of execution there. He he was keeping him in a job up until a point. Whereas with Rangnick, there's not really an emotional detachment there and, and he is more objective. Um, speaking to someone at United last week, they said he has... Uh, he, he's pathologically incapable of lying, and that that does come through in in his press conferences as well. And I was a little bit, you know, despairing at Sky's coverage post match at the weekend. Uh, listening back to it, that, that they're still going on about the hip flexor and whether he he was injured or not, and there's still no context there that that injury had kept him out for two games in January. He's since turned thirty-seven. If a thirty-seven-year-old footballer's got a hip problem, that is bound to to be quite quite problematic. But in, in, you know, trying to keep it short, at least uh, Ronaldo uh, prevented it from, you know, really being under the cosh at the weekend. In that there'd have been pretty much an inquest into his tactics. Uh, United were pretty poor, really. Uh, they they had no answer to Tottenham's wing backs. It was just a very simple tactic of Tottenham having wide players and being able to have that space on the wing. And I think Gary Neville said it afterwards that. United don't seem to be intense enough when it comes to closing down uh, teams who, who get into the final third. And there were two reasons why they won that game on Saturday. One is Ronaldo, the other is because Tottenham are Tottenham. The amount of times Tottenham had spaces on the flanks and didn't make the most of it, um, I, I lost count of. Kane was kept relatively quiet. Son had an absolute nightmare. Their best player was Kulizewski and and was taken off when, I think in hindsight, Son probably should have come come off for, for Lucas Moura, was it, who who, who replaced Kuliszewski, but I suppose Son's reputation precedes him there. And you know, Conte must have been wondering how the, hell have, how the hell have we not got anything out of that game, but it was really as, as simple as that. The, the, the standard of the game was not particularly high. You looked at two teams who you, you just thought have got Europa League written all over them next season, and obviously Ronaldo, that's, that's anathema to him. He's not played in the UEFA Cup or the Europa League since he was a teenager at Sporting Lisbon. And with that, that early shot, it went in and you just knew from then on that he was going to have a good day. I've, I've maintained all along this season that Ronaldo would be a success back at United. 18 goals already for a 37-year-old is extremely good going. From 31 games, all those goals have come in the Premier League and the Champions League. But whether United still have a remotely successful season... I think the you know the jury's out on that. It it, it was not it was not a convincing win. I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a win where you would say United have turned the corner. And as far as Rangnick's tactics went, I was I was quite taken aback by how how dormant he was. And and even for that second equaliser, I think Rangnick said that they were waiting for the ball to go out of play. But the ball definitely did go out of play at one point with Lindelof ready, and they just didn't really have some any alacrity to to bring him on at all, and then when he did make the substitution, it was it was Cavani for Matic which you know fair enough, taking a risk going for the win. Th- that substitution didn't really have much of an impact whatsoever on on the outcome of
1: the game, uh, but he certainly got a bit lucky, and he was indebted to Ronaldo for that. It was actually a game that reminded me of the um, pardon me the three two against Arsenal um, when Ranier was in the stands with Michael Carrick in charge of his final game, and it was ironic how after that game Ranier kind of. Talked about wanting control and here we are months later and it was very similar and perhaps not much has actually changed. Ty, I wanted to ask you about Fred because I thought he was fantastic in midfield. Um, obviously, we know he's had a bit of stick from United fans over the years, but has he improved under Raniak or is it a different system? What do you thinking? What did you make of his performance on Saturday?
0: Yeah, I think he's improved a little bit. He's been given a bit more licence to get forward. He's, he's playing a bit further forward in that 4-3-3. I mean, he was, he was really good on Saturday, but for Ronaldo's goals, I think it had been... Man of the match. He was excellent. The flick to create Ronaldo's first was really good. He was basically a one-man machine breaking the Tottenham press in the second half, just dribbling through them. It was a real all-round performance, and he's he's such a confusing player, Fred, because he is capable of these games, but his passing is just too inconsistent. He, it's only a, we, we know for it. We've seen it before that it, we're only a few games away from one of those games where his passing accuracy is all over the place, and everyone thinks. You're never going to win a league with him in midfield. So, you know, he he is capable of these games. I think he's better further forward in a Ranić system purely because he's United's best presser without any shadow of a doubt. And he can, you know, if he's playing one of those number eight roles, he can press and, and do that role a lot better. He's been a lot more creative under Ranić. I think that's four assists and two goals now in, in 15 games. I mean, that was unheard of under Solskjaer. His, his contribution to the final third was so bad that Solskjaer used to joke about him not shooting. But, you know, he's improved a lot in that area. So that flick was very clever. And, you know, I'm still not convinced he's the long-term answer. But I think in that 4-3-3, if he's playing alongside someone like Fernandez, who is a bit more creative, then he's certainly got strengths he can bring to a to a system like that. And, it, you know, you're right there about the Me of the Arsenal game. I've just been writing that. And it does, you know, Rany has wanted to bring control, has spoken about bringing control. But in those games where it feels like they've had control, they've been... You know, the, the 1-0 against West Ham, the 1-0 against Palace, even the 0-0 against Watford. They've had control of those games, but they've not been they've not been good games to watch. They've not been particularly exciting games. United won two of them, but 1-0 home wins over Crystal Palace and West Ham aren't going to take you far towards a title. There's obviously a happy medium to be struck, but it did feel on Saturday like Ranić had almost decided just to embrace the chaos. You know, it's a club that seems to thrive on on chaos rather than control, and... Samuel mentioned that substitution there. If Ranik really wanted to control that game, he'd have started with a back three, or gone to a back three a lot earlier, because it was clear that Tottenham's wing backs to had a lot of space. That United's full backs were being dragged wide to deal with them. That was leaving space for Kulusevski and Son. Tottenham had a lot of a lot of promising opportunities that they didn't either didn't make a lot of. or United defended really well, but there was never any elements of United control in that game. The way to control it was change system, but Ranik didn't want to do it and left it till about 70 minutes maybe, I think Lindelof was coming on around then, when the equaliser was, maybe just yeah. before then. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was he was embracing the chaos as much as anyone. And, you know, he, he spoke after that Arsenal game about how it wasn't really his game. You don't want those games every week. But probably more often than not, United have come out on top in those games this year. They've had quite a few 3-2 wins. Um, and, it, you know, it does almost feel like those games suit them more rather than these attempts to control games when at the moment they're not really a team built to control games
1: suppose it does make it slightly more interesting for us watching the matches if it is a, <laughs> a, an, an encounter I suppose but a bit of control in a 1-0 you can't complain at those um, Samuel, I wanted to ask you about Matic because obviously Ty's just talked talked about Fred not being the long-term answer, the man the Matic is obviously not the long-term answer to United's midfield problems but he started in defensive midfield and I wanted to ask you about the importance of having a defensive midfielder because we've talked about it time and time again but when Matic comes into the side they do look a bit better. He didn't have a fantastic game on Saturday but do you expect them to start against Atletico Madrid because he kind of brings that control and protects the back four a little bit?
2: Well, I, I thought he was good on Saturday. I certainly wouldn't have taken him off at that time. I suspect that Lindelof when they intended to bring him on would have come on for Pogba. I thought Pogba was dreadful. He was in the second half. He was... He really was on one um, in the first half. He was he was decent, but in the second half, it was I'm going to try and toy with you. I'm going to put my foot on the ball. I'm going to try and take it away from you. And Tottenham just were w- around, w- around him very very quickly, as as any team would be uh, in in a Premier League match. And I was I was lamenting what he was doing to Tyne. and then obviously he just passed you know played this 50 yard laser pass to Sancho. Sancho won the corner, and from the corner they scored the winning goal but with with Matic it's yeah it's a pity for united but it's it's you know it's united's own fault that they've not signed an out and out midfielder since Fred nearly 4 years ago i think there've been there've been periods this season where Matic has been underused but it's a fine balancing act because you can either go from underusing him to overusing him and i think around the the turn of the year he he was he was probably being overused at that point um, i can't quite remember the, the circumstances of it but I think Villa away when they they were so porous in the second half and somehow found themselves 2-0 up, but ended up drawing the game 2-2. That was an example of how easily gettable he is for teams when they're they're rampant and they're they're incessant with their attacking. United do not expect to encounter that against Atletico. Ragnik was borderline dismissive of Atletico's style when he was asked about it in the in the Wanda Metropolitano press room after the, the, the first leg when he said that Atletico won't change the way we play, we have to change the way that that we play. Um, referring to United because of how poor their performance was, certainly up until the, the substitutions he made. And Atletico and Fens have got a bit more about them going into the second leg, Coke is available. Uh, I would be slightly surprised if Griezmann and Suarez um, were, were both on the bench again given that you know, the away goal doesn't come into it. That, that rule is gone, but they, they need to score. Um, to, to, you know, I don't, I don't see United not scoring. So by that reckoning, you'd imagine Atletico will have to score. And you know, if, if they've got Suarez or Griezmann on, then they've, they've got a greater threat there. But I do think Matic is more suited to a game like the Atletico match than McTominay. Uh, McTominay they have tried to make a defensive midfielder, which is perfectly understandable. Uh, I, I think that... You know, the, the way Mourinho managed him, the way Solskjaer managed him, were two polar polar—you know, polar opposites, really. Mourinho wanted him as this sitting midfielder. Solskjaer said about coaxing these attacking instincts out of McTominay because that's how he played uh, in the junior teams at United. But you've got to go on what's best for the team and playing him deeper, I think, has always been uh, in, in the team's best interests. But where he's not an expert defensive midfielder, from time to time it gets shown up such as in, in, in the derby recently. He, he wasn't he wasn't lacking commitment, but he was lacking quality against one of the, the best midfields, if not the best midfield in, in the world. Um, but with with Matic, you have got that expertise there. And however long he's at United, I think they've probably got to maximise it um, in, in games like this. They've not got a game for 18 days. He's not uh, a Serbia international anymore. He retired from international duty, I think a couple of years ago. So there's no need to to rest or think about the next game or any of that, you know, any of that stuff that sometimes managers and coaches factor into their selection. So I, I certainly would play Matic. It was interesting midway through the first half um, against Spurs, uh, Chris Armis and Rangnick looked pretty vexed by what was going on, understandably, given the amount of space. The, the Tottenham wing-backs were getting. They did switch Fred and Matic at one point and, and Fred went over to the right-hand side. And I think it was from there that he, he, he you know, got a couple of key blocks in and he he won the ball at one point and, and sprung a counter-attack. I thought those two in, in general had had pretty good games. Um, you know, Pogba was probably the weakest of the midfield three, which was is, is probably why I play Pogba from the left against Atletico but Rangnick has always seen Pogba as a, as a number eight or a number six I think he said um, so you know it's, it's, it's a it's a bit of a difficult one I suppose he's got he's got on his hands there because you know Fernandez is available again they tried to crowbar them all into the team against Atletico in the first leg and it really did not work playing f- Fred further back Fred is much more more of an asset in an advanced role
1: I want to analyze a few more performances tied before we move on to kind of tomorrow's game against Atletico Madrid. And I want to ask you about Rashford because it seems we haven't really saw Rashford or the real Marcus Rashford since December 2019, maybe. I think he picked up an injury after that COVID hit. He came back and it's just not been not been good for him. Um he looked low on confidence again at Old Trafford on Saturday. He was obviously brought off. He received a, a, a warm stand ovation from supporters. What is how is Rashford's form going to improve? What's the solution here? And What's his future at the club looking like at the moment approaching in the summer?
0: I mean, I don't think it's going to improve from just one start. Um, I don't think, you know, a player who's clearly that low on confidence, he's not just going to suddenly start one game and it's all going to click for him. It's it's going to be a gradual process. You know, you're right, his form has been pretty poor for two years now, at least. Um, I actually thought the break when he did his shoulder in, um, last season and the break after the Euros was doing some good, and he did come back and, and played very well. I think he scored in three of his first four games back, um, cut them off the bench, and he did look good then. But he's just sort of regressed again back to this level in terms of building up his confidence. You know, he needs a run of start, but then you need to prove you deserve a run of start. So it's a real catch twenty two situation at the moment. Um, he looked like he picked up a knock before he came off on on Saturday. He'd been struggling for a little while, but you know he didn't do an awful lot to suggest he should keep his place in the team. I suppose the benefit to him is that there's not a huge amount of competition there alanga clearly looks better as a sub at the moment than starting games to me he's, he's struggling to impact games from the start i wouldn't be starting him tomorrow night um but it, you know it does feel like rashford is one of these players who is going to benefit from you know a rest and a new manager and just a you know a reset almost at united the that everything that's gone on at this club is clearly weighing heavily on, on some more than others. And I think Rashford is one of them. I think Harry Maguire's another. Maguire is a player who looks like he needs the captaincy taken off him. Just being told to have a rest and then come back under a new manager and have a fresh start. I, I don't think there's any point writing Maguire off. And I don't think there's any point writing Rashford off. I think Rashford's certainly closer to, to leaving if he's not going to get a regular run of games. But Pochettino gets a job in the summer. He, you know, he's wanted Rashford before. He could, if not build a team around Rashford, certainly have him as a, a regular role in the front three. So I think he just needs, you know, I think there's a few of these players who just need almost a reset this summer just to have a break, have a new manager in there and just try and have a fresh start. I think it's, you know, I think it's difficult to envisage a scenario where Rashford suddenly finds form between now and the end of the season. It looks too deep-rooted for, to be fixed in a run of, what is it, ten. 10 games maximum, 10 games minimum left, sorry, maybe more mm-hmm. if they get through tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, Rashford's issues are too big, I think, to be solved by suddenly starting two or three games and then finishing the season on fire. I think it's a, a process that's going to go on into next season.
1: Would Pochettino be good for Rashford, Ty? Do you know, a Ten Hag, do you think that would kind of improve his fortunes or his form? Do you think he would benefit from that? Yeah,
0: possibly. i oh, say with Ten Hag, I think, Pochettino probably I think Pochettino has been interested in him previously I think his style suits him he wants Pochettino tends to build around quick forwards energetic forwards and young sort of malleable players who will buy into to what he wants which I think is why it's not really happening for him at PSG because Neymar and Messi aren't, aren't those type of players so I think Rashford potentially could benefit from Pochettino I think maybe he could benefit from any, any new manager really and any manager coming in with a a clearer structure and a system. I think that, that was obviously the one thing Solskjaer lasted, uh, lacked. It was all about freewheeling and attack, and I don't think that's helped any of the attackers particularly long-term, with the exception of maybe Fernandes. Um, so I think, you know, Pochettino certainly, I think, would be good for Rashford. Ten Hag, a little bit more unknown. But, you know, I think I, I, if I was Rashford, I wouldn't be jumping in into, into any decisions this summer in terms of, of leaving. And I don't think United will be. I'd certainly wait and see what, what the next manager brings. But I think that's when you'd need to see improvement and consistency for him because as much as there are excuses available there at United at the moment, at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own career and your own performances and Rashford slump has been going on for an awful long time now.
1: Moving on a little bit, Samuel, Uh, Bruno Fernandes was obviously out that match at the weekend and you were a very busy man ahead of kickoff on Saturday. I think you're a bit of a headless (laughs) chicken with all the phone calls going on and whatnot. Um, Can you kind of provide the listeners an update on the COVID situation at the club uh, ahead of the game tomorrow?
2: Well, Fernandes is, is back uh, back in training uh, the, with the lineup earlier that he, he reported and, and he stayed on site. There have been a number of times, certainly, I've been told that oh, a player has left after. 10 minutes or 20 minutes i.e they've had a COVID test and you you know that they've they've tested positive so it's it's off home to um to stay home until they they test negative again but fernandez stayed on site luke shaw's obviously back as well uh he stayed on site as well i don't know if shaw was in training on sunday i think rangnick hoped that was the case but essentially those two are available and, and the club have said that, that scott tomney available as well he, he missed that game at the weekend with a calf problem Although I think Rangnick said on, on Friday that it, with, with McTominay, it was a case of if if they played him against Tottenham, it, it, he would probably be out of the Atletico game. So it was more of a precaution. I, I don't think it's a massive surprise that McTominay is, is likely to be available for the Atletico game now. Uh, but it, it, was, it was certainly, um, I, I could have done without it really on Saturday morning, all that. Palava, you know, wake up to a message telling telling me that gea has got COVID and, and Dean Hensons in, in in goal, uh, which is obviously a you know, pretty pretty big team news story. So you sort that out, and then in, in fairness to to Neil Neil Custis of the Sun, he um, who, who got the the story about the outbreak uh, just before Christmas and the squad, uh, that he did the line that they're, they're waiting on on a possible PCR test because it could be a false a false positive at that point. I I'd, I'd already embarked on my morning run and during my morning run I got a call telling me that Ben Henderson's been recalled from from the Lowry because he's he's been told that he's he's not actually needed um today after all certainly as a starter because it was a false positive that that the HIA had produced so that's that's the peril I suppose with um with with covid tests at times it, it wasn't quite as as chaotic in, in July when United had nine false positive tests with with players and staff and cancelled a friendly against Preston, um, you know because they, they just assumed that those those positives were, were genuine. So uh, they've they've encountered that situation before. there have been a few more COVID cases recently. You know, sometimes that that's just the way it, the way it happens. I think with. With the outbreak in December, I was told that apparently it happened because one of the players went to a kids' party at a soft play centre, and you know, as, as Ty and I both know, um, soft play centres are chaotic at the best of times, and the chances are that it's not like one person there has got has got COVID. That there are bound to be a few people there, and obviously toddlers spread germs uh, pretty much every living breathing second. That there are. Uh, they're awake so um, it, it wasn't really a surprise that all of a sudden an outbreak swept across the whole United squad in December but the fortunate thing was that although they were quite careful with it uh, when when the players were arriving on Saturday it was, it was not a depleted squad whatsoever um, they had a pretty foolish squad available for that game and um, just fortunately, this season we've we've avoided another another shutdown. They they got the call right in December when they decided to to continue the league season despite some uh, sanctimonious calls for it to be suspended at that point.
1: Imagine you ran home a little bit quicker, Samuel, once you received that call. You? Well, fortunately,
2: I was about two minutes away from my my front door at that point. So um, yeah, I, I actually decided just to walk back. I think I think I was probably more exhausted from the whole news cycle that morning yeah, yeah. than my actual run itself. But uh, yeah, all, all's well that ended well anyway. And and Rang it confirmed the timeline, so I was I was quite you know I was quite pleased about that. I didn't I didn't look like a, a
1: fool at all anyway. Yeah, I felt tired following it, so I can imagine what it was like actually actually <laughs> being there, writing the lines. Um, Ty regarding. Team News, then obviously, we kind of talked about it. Fernandez is back in training. Um, is it as simple as he comes back in? I also wanted to ask you about Wan Basaka and Dallow because I, that was my lunch piece this afternoon. We've talked about the kind of the peck and order at right back, and it's chopped and changed this season. Who do you think will start tomorrow?
0: Um difficult one Dallow for me. Um, I think he just offers United more from right back and more going forward. I said that I wouldn't be surprised if Rannik went with Wan Basaka and the the greater security defensively. I mean, we talk about Wan being a great defensive fullback, and he is a great defensive fullback one on one, but he's got a definite weakness when the ball's on the other side and crosses are coming into the back post. And I think that's an Atletico Madrid's strength, really, to swing crosses into the back post. They put a lot of crosses into the box, so I'm not necessarily sure that his, his defensive strengths align necessarily with what Atletico Madrid will do. Um, so I would be going for Dallo. In terms of Fernandez, I think if he's fit, he's got to start. And um, obviously, we're recording this before the press conference. around. He can probably give us more of an update then um, on on what his situation is after after what's gone on the last few days. But yeah, if he's fit enough, he he has to start. And you know, Samuel Touchman. To For the interesting thing, then is what do you do with with Pogba? Um, I think it would be a bold call to go with a four three three that includes Fred, Pogba, and and Fernandez. I think. Matic has, has got to play there. I think it'd be a risk playing McTominay on the back of his his issues recently. So you are looking at either Pogba on the bench or, or Pogba on the wing. With you know Rashford, like I say, didn't make the most of his chance at the weekend. So you could certainly play Pogba on the left and, and Sancho on the right. And there's less less of a threat from Atletico's fullbacks than there was against Tottenham. But yeah, there's a, there's a few there's a few issues there. I think for for Ranjik to deal with but certainly having Fernandez available, presuming he is 100% fit and, and ready to go will, will be a massive bonus.
1: Samuel, I think what I've uh, given Ranyuk a bit of credit for and what I do find quite interesting about him is he seems to learn from games quite well and he seems to tactically adapt from fixture to fixture. Um, what will the lessons be from the reverse leg in Madrid do you think? What changes will Ranyuk be looking for, for tomorrow night's game to make more of a difference?
2: Uh, don't play a centre back at right back. I <laughs> mean, that that was, I think he said the the plan went in the dustbin after seven minutes. But that was just a very very strange decision um, playing Lindelof there. We were trying to work out whether it was a back three. Then it was clear there was no right wing back. Uh, just, just you know, and, until the substitutions that night, things were not going well whatsoever. And even after the substitutions, Griezmann was a couple of inches away from, from winning it. Atletico were, were very impressive. Atletico played the way you expect them to. Uh, the wing backs were, were excellent. I think uh, is it Vassaco or I can't remember how you pronounce his name. The, the Croat, the right wing back. Um, I think he's out. He's he's not been listed in their squad. So whether that forces much of a tweak to their formation, I don't know. Because of course Trippier um, left in January, so I'm not too sure who their right wing back would be in his absence. But they, given you know, given United, have just come up against a, a team that played with a back three. And they're coming up against, in all fairness, a better side in Atletico Madrid, but one that play in a very different way. I, I still don't necessarily think you should say, provided that you know, if, if you are assuming that Atletico are playing a back three, I don't think United should should go with that formation whatsoever. Atletico are a very obdurate side. Um, you've got to you've got to break them down. You've got to have attack minded players and players who can play between the lines, which is why as they discovered in, in the first leg, uh, Fred being played there was was the wrong call. And the problem with that, I noticed it, I think in the first half, there was a point where I think there were three players in United's half, Fred got the ball. And because his midfield partners were Fernandes and Pogba, they were already in the other half way away from him. I think he had Varane and Maguire just behind him. The full backs were you know, not particularly near either. At that point, Atletico thought, you know, we're sending blood here. Let's let's go in for the kill. And they pressed them and United w- one settled and the ball was played back, which is why you don't play Fred there. Um Fred brings balance. We, we saw that in the Europa League fund just by virtue of his absence. United did not look right at all from start to finish that night because they had McTominay and Pogba midfield and they had you know, they were, just, they were just too top heavy and, and it was costly in the end and it, it didn't need to be that way. I know Solskjaer said that Fred was injured, but he was still on the bench. Uh, I'm not convinced, especially off Solskjaer's, um record of, of, of injury bulletins, uh, that he was, he was completely correct in saying that Fred couldn't start that game. So, I, I, you know, th- there are key selection uh, lessons to be learned, uh, pretty simple ones as well. As I said, you know, play Dallow at right back, play Matic, have a defensive midfielder, playing defensive midfield, have have Fred higher up. The dilemma is what you do with Pogba because I don't think Rangnick has actually played Pogba from the wing yet. Pogba's popped up there and played very well. Uh, the, The Leeds win springs to mind from a few weeks ago and he played probably his best club football from the left last year as well. But Sancho's, you know, he's been possibly United's best player over the last six weeks and that's that's coincided with him being moved to the left and whether him and whether Sancho and Pogba could actually you know, switch in game and, and be effective remains to be seen. So it's it's a pretty, that's probably the biggest call that, that Rangnick's going to have to make all evening and the fact that. Alex Telles is the uh, the pre match player as well at the press conference, which w- we're all overjoyed by, as you can uh, as you can imagine, uh, would would indicate that he
1: he may start ahead of Luke Shaw. Just on the right back point of of like, well, I think it's Marcus Llorente. I think he'll we'll slot in there. I think it's yeah, developed. true. He's quite versatile, isn't he? You're yeah, versatile. and he's, he's definitely gettable, though, isn't he? If, if Sancho's on that left, you'd yes, to, uh, yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. Some, some culture, that side. yeah, yeah, completely. Um, Ty, last question, then I kind of want to ask you. About United's hopes in the Champions League this season. For me, I kind of feel like the quarters. I do expect them to progress tomorrow night, but I kind of feel like the quarters might be the ceiling. If you look at the rest of the teams that are remaining in the competition, I think they'll be hoping for Ajax or Benfica I won't know. So what are you kind of expecting in the in the coming months on the Champions League front?
0: Um or weeks. Yeah, or ninety minutes. Um. <laughs> I think I I I can see extra time. So I think it's going to be a really tight game. Atletico seem to have improved since the first leg. I think they've won three straight games in La Liga. One big win away at Betis, but I think they're unconvincing on Friday night. Did they play? I think it was Friday night. That was right. Yeah. Um, I you know I can I can just see a tight game. I think it's two teams who were going to be pretty who are pretty disappointed with the way things have gone in the league this season. Two teams who've got their own vulnerabilities. So. I can see a really tight game. And yeah, if they get through, I mean, the way they've been playing, it's hard to make a case that there'd be favourites in any game beyond maybe the winners of Ajax Benfica. And even Ajax, you know, I think Ajax would give United a serious test over over two legs. But you never know. You mentioned there that Ranić's a good tactician. He's good at coming up with game plans. It, it, you know, the Champions League is always an open competition. So, you get, you get a decent draw. Juventus, I mean, Juventus or Villarreal is, is still delicately poised on Wednesday night. United potentially could, could beat either of them. Juventus are in pretty good form in in Serie A, but Italian teams haven't really made much impact on Europe recently. So if Juventus do get through there, I think they, they'd they be gettable if United get through. So there's a couple of teams in there you'd think if United get, then, then they'd get half a chance. But, you know, I think... I think it's far from guaranteed to get through tomorrow first. I think that, I think they probably are slight favourites, especially after the weekend, but I can see it being a really, really tight game and with the lack of away goals, I can, I can see it going beyond 90 minutes, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, completely. I agree with that assessment. Um, thanks for listeners. Thanks for your time today. I hope you enjoyed it and enjoy the game tomorrow night. Um, thanks, Samuel. Thank you, Stephen, as always. Thank you, Ty. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Take care, listeners. Thank you.